Welcome to EANCAST, your weekly source for education, research, and updates from the European Academy of Neurology. Hello, everybody, to EANCAST Weekly Neurology. I welcome everybody to our first episode on sleep-wake disorders. My name is Thomas Berger. I'm uh, chair of the Department of Neurology here in Vienna, Austria. And uh, by the way, also uh, chair of the scientific committee of the European Academy of Neurology. But more importantly, today's uh, guest moderator, together with um, Dr. Ambra Stefani, a sleep-wake disorder specialist from the Medical University in Innsbruck, Austria, and also together with our special guest, uh, which is Evelina, um, and now I have to be very careful in spelling your name, Payetiene. Uh, I hope I got it correctly. And um, she's a, a neurologist uh, and, of course, also expert in sleep medicine, uh, working at the neurological department at the Hospital of Lithuanian University of Health Sciences in Vilnius in uh, Lithuania. And uh, she's also engaged in uh, EAN very strongly as the co-chair of the EAN scientific panel on sleep-wake uh, sleep disorders. So welcome everybody and I will now, as a blank uh, neurologist with regard to sleep-wake disorders, I will now hand over to Ambra and uh, to pose her first questions to Evelina. Hello everybody and hello also uh, Evelina also from my side. So it's uh, very nice for me to start uh, uh, this uh, uh, series of uh, podcasts with uh, sleep-wake disorders and we, we know that there are really several uh, different sleep complaints. Almost everyone experiences at least one in his life, his or her life. And uh, uh, what is relevant for neurologists? What kind of sleep complaints should be considered neurological? So first of all, hello, Ambra. Hello, dear Thomas. And hello, everybody. Thanks for inviting me to speak about this important subject. Answering to the first question, I think the main complaints that neurologists should be aware about related to sleep is daytime sleepiness. When the patient is feeling sleepy and fatigued, we really need to know uh, how to interact with these questions and actually differentiate sleep sleepiness and fatigue. Also, sleepiness could be really expressed as uh, involuntary attacks of sleep, and then we can have a symptom for narcolepsy. Of course, we should aware, be aware about the arousals during nighttime sleep, so some um, awakenings that could be related to breathing problems, some parasomnias, uh, even epilepsy episodes. So we need to differentiate those causes of, uh, of arousals and awakenings. But moreover, uh, we need to think about um, different uh, movements during sleep. So they could be related to the dream content or they could be uh, related to the limbs, like periodic limb movements. We also need to think about some strange paroxysms uh, uh, happening during sleep that 
can also be differentiated uh, between parasomnias and uh, nocturnal epilepsy. Thank you, Velina. So there are uh, really a lot of uh, diseases uh, and uh, complaints uh, and uh, um, sleep disorders are sometimes unfortunately neglected in the general uh, neurological education. So would you like maybe to provide a brief overview for general neurologists of the main sleep-wake disorders, maybe providing a very brief uh, description of, of them? Yeah, I think that's that's important because this is the same branch as during night. So uh, we can have uh, many uh, various sleep disorders, but we can roughly divide it them to kind of seven main groups, I should say. So uh, those are already mentioned and kind of most common ones. One of the most common ones could be um, briefing-related sleep disorders, such as obstructive sleep apnea, central sleep apnea, and other more um, rare types of uh, briefing problems. Um, so describing very shortly, this is pauses uh, of briefing during sleep. Also, that can be led by uh, snoring, some coughing, um, some uh, um, even choking uh, and sometimes we need also to think maybe they are also a symptom of some kind of different paroxysm as uh, these apneas are causing desaturation so that's why we feel sleepy and fatigued during daytime so we can have daytime sleepiness uh, as a consequence of uh, sleep-related briefing disorders. So this is shortly about apneas. And then we can also have insomnia, that is also a very common sleep disorder. And the most challenging problem is chronic uh, insomnia, when we have uh, uh, problems with remaining sl uh, sleepy or sleeping during nighttime or remaining um, or not awakening in the night or not awakening too early in the morning. And it lasts at least three nights per week, at least three months. Uh, so then we have a problem with chronic insomnia. Uh, so this is common sleep disorder. And uh, this could also be a part of uh, other mental or neurological disorders, I should say. Uh, then we should think about um, really no neurological sleep disorders such as narcolepsy and other central hypersomnias. So speaking about narcolepsy, we can have uh, two main types of narcolepsy till now. So it could be with cataplexy or without. Cataplexy is the uh, rapid loss of uh, muscle tone that could be only uh, focal like facial cataplexy or it could be generalized when we have uh, the drop of, of, of the person experiencing cataplexy and uh, also we have really uh, severe sleep attacks it's not like um, sleep apnea caused sleepiness, it's more severe and the patient could not resist these kind of attacks. Uh, and then we can have some other symptoms such as sleep paralysis, really vivid dreams and fragmented night sleep. And uh, in, in addition to narcolepsy, we can have 
idiopathic hypersomnia and other secondary hypersomnias related to other neurological disorders. Going forward, uh, we have also not really a sleep disorder, but a movement disorder related to sleep. So it's restless leg syndrome, really common one. It happens uh, before sleep. Anyhow, it can really affect the way we fell asleep and it can also awaken the, pa- the, the, the patient. And uh, restless leg syndrome can be also kind of often uh, led by periodic limb movements during sleep when we have periodicity of uh, um, mainly legs moving, twitching um, during nighttime sleep and also causing arousals and uh, diminishing the sleep quality. And we can, in this group with um, movement-related sleep disorders, we can have even more like bruxism and some more, but I won't go that much into details. And then moving forward, we have a big group of parasomnias. So we can have uh, deep sleep-related parasomnias that uh, happen during uh, non-REM sleep. And then we can have REM-related parasomnias. The most common one is REM sleep behavior disorder. That could also be one of the first symptoms of neurodegenerative diseases, such as Parkinson's and others. So this is expressed by enacting the dream content when the patient is not relaxed during REM sleep and actually is kicking, uh, twitching, shouting, boxing during sleep. And uh, non-REM parasomnias are the ones that happening during deep sleep. So it could be sleepwalking, sleep talking, something actually when the patient is already going out of the bed during the paroxysm. And uh, this is important group because sometimes we need to differentiate them from epileptic uh, seizures and nocturnal epilepsy episodes. Moving forward, we have this sleep-wake rhythm disorders, or we are calling sometimes circadian rhythm disorders. So the example could be a shift work sleep disorder when we have disrupted sleep rhythm because of uh, uh, long-lasting shift work. This could also be delayed sleep phase disorder that is common among teenagers when we have our rhythm really delayed or advanced sleep uh, phase disorder that is more common among elderly. So I think these are the main ones I have described. So, um, having heard that, uh, Evelina, I think that we as neurologists are quite privileged by conversation with our patients, and I think this is of paramount importance to get on track of a correct and timely diagnosis. Now, having heard this uh, broad spectrum of sleep-wake disorders you just described, could you give us a brief uh, overview what should a neurologist, a general neurologist in practice or in an outpatient clinic ask uh, a patient with sleep complaints or even if we doubt that there are some sleep complaints, what should we ask the patient in a brief way either to identify um, the one or other differential diagnosis or then of course also to refer to a specialized uh, center? Yeah, that's a very good point. 
we at least need to ask about the sleep quality. If the patient is having a good sleep quality and is feeling refreshed when waking in the morning, we can, if going precisely deeply into the sleep complaints, we need to ask the main questions about breathing. So if the patient is experiencing breathing pauses or snoring, or if the relatives are hearing those pauses or snoring. And then we can ask if the patient is sleepy during daytime, because this could be the consequence of uh, some awakenings during nighttime. So uh, if the patient is sleepy or having sleep attacks, this is also an important point. Then awakenings, if the patient is awakening, and what could be the causes of those awakenings? Is this frequent uh, rush to to the bathroom, or is it uh, some um, dreaming content, or is it uh, just insomnia, um, or some muscle movements? So I think these are the main ones that we should at least ask, and then suspect. Um, at least the the most common uh, sleep disorders, as I already mentioned. So apart from taking history uh, in this more general way, or also uh, probably asking in a more, uh, let's say, inquisitory manner, do I need uh, some special skills or tools to diagnose a neurological uh, sleep-wake disorder? I think what really helps is the relative because uh, the relative's interview, because patient is uh, sometimes not actually reporting the symptoms as apneas or some kind of paroxysms during sleep. So this is very good to have relatives uh, interview and also sometimes even videos about the paroxysm. Additionally, we can use some more precise tools like sleep skills and sleep scores. We have some uploaded in the EIN web page as well that could be also used uh, not even for, for the research purpose, but also in really the clinical routine. So these are the scales for sleepiness, for apnea severity, for restless legs and for differentiating parasomnias and epilepsy. We can also, also ask the patient to fill in the sleep diary that could give us more information about the sleep-wake rhythm and sleep hygiene. And then we can move to more precise sleep diagnostics such as polysomnography that is like a golden standard for sleep diagnostics till now. Also, we can use actigraphy or some kind of similar approach when we can evaluate more objectively the sleep-wake rhythm and arousals. And if we are speaking about narcolepsy and hypersomnias, we also would like to do the multiple sleep latency test that is required test for uh, differentiating and diagnosing hypersomnias. Thank you very much for this um, brief overview and also, uh, let's say, support for our daily practice. I have two additional questions, one more specific, one more general. The specific question regards the fact next episode we will welcome also a patient. So um, how important are patient-related outcomes 
for sleep-wake disorders? I think this is extremely important because it's always about the patients. So sleep, uh, uh, getting more sleep quality is uh, one of the main uh, criteria and aim for the daytime functioning of the patient, any neurological or other patient, because um, sleep um, apnea or other bad quality sleep problems can also increase the risk of other neurological diseases, for example, stroke. So I think the importance of sleep should be really discussed and touched during any neurological patient interview and uh, discussing um, the treatment options and um, non-pharmacological interventions. And now my special uh, or the, the general uh, question, because you mentioned several times sleep quality. So uh, what is meant by good sleep quality? This is my first part. The second part is there are rumors all the time that people need 10 hours of sleep and others only four hours of sleep. So what is true about that? <laughs> I think there are some norms about the recommended sleep. They shouldn't be that strict because, as you mentioned, it's more important that sleep itself should be qualified. So if we have 10 hours of sleep, but we have many awakenings and we have breathing problems, desaturations or other disruptions, so it's not uh, a high quality sleep. It's, it's important to have about, depending on the age, we still have some norms. So we are telling like for the middle-aged person to have at least seven, eight hours of sleep. And we uh, argument this because we need sl uh, the sleep to go through all the cycles during the night time and to preserve all the functions that sleep has. So this is the qualified sleep and how we can sus suspect that the, the sleep is of bad quality if the patient is not feeling refreshed during daytime and having fatigue or sleepiness during daytime. Four hours of sleep and 10 hours of sleep, we have a short population, like really a minor percent of short and long sleepers, but that's really some ex exclusions but um, mainly we do recommend this uh, medium of eight hours of sleep anyhow thank you very much so i think we can conclude uh, that uh, a good uh, sleep quality is important for brain health right that's right <laughs> perfect so um i would like to thank you um evelina Bayadiene, for giving us the insights to the basics of sleep wake disorders in this very brief and concise way. I hope um, our uh, auditorium enjoyed this teaser to get more interested and also to think about uh, sleep disorders in the general practice. I would like to thank also Ambra Stefani for, uh, of course, uh, the very qualified uh, uh, questions you posed to Evelina. And uh, thank you for listening and stay on air because the next week we will uh, welcome a patient and I think that will be highly interesting to get it not only from the expertise, theoretical uh, view, but also from the personal view of being affected with the sleep disorder.
See you soon and hear you soon especially. This has been EANCast Weekly Neurology. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred podcatcher for weekly updates from the European Academy of Neurology. You can also listen to this and all of our previous episodes on the EAN campus to gain points and become an EAN expert in any of our 29 neurological specialties. Simply become an EAN individual member to gain access. For more information, visit ean.org membership. That's ean.org backslash membership. Thanks for listening. EANcast Weekly Neurology is your unbiased and independent source for educational and research-related neurological content. Although all content is provided by experts in their field, it should not be considered official medical advice.